Welcome to the Joint Dynamics Intelligent Movement Series podcast, an ongoing discussion with experts in the fields of health, fitness, and performance, sharing the science and their tips and tricks that have the goal of taking your health from where you are to where you want it to be. OD, welcome back to the Joint Dynamics Intelligent Movement Podcast. My name is Andrew Cox. I'm one of the owners and directors of this place here called Joint Dynamics in Hong Kong. And today, I'm speaking to Ian A. Dwyer in Australia. How are you doing, OD? Uh, Coxie, I am sensational, mate. Thank you. Fantastic to be able to have a conversation with you once again. I love it, mate. In, in the world we live in, it's a great way to connect. A little bit of background on, on OD. Ian, I guess you'd say in the fitness industry is as close as you're going to get to a bloody legend rock star that you know, whatever. <laughs> um, Ian is a, a one of the founders of an incredible form of education and more called PTA Global. He's ran OD on Movement for 23 years out of Noosa, Australia, one of the most beautiful places on the planet. And most recently with his great mate and also former PTA Global um, founding member, Rodney Korn, they've started Feel Soma. And Phil yes. Soma is the basis of the conversation that we're going to have today. What about that, OD? Mate, I'm excited. Me too. And so you and I met for the first time in 2009 in San Diego, and that was the first ever intake for PTA Global when you guys launched. Absolutely. So we were looking to bring to the industry advanced education because what we found back in those days that the industry was heading down a very repetitious um, direction. So we wanted to bring in something that was going to be very inclusive of the industry that wasn't already there. Behavioural change was a big thing. Functional anatomy, looking at the entirety of the body, not just looking at the location and how it reacts. Um, we looked at energy system development, how various types of challenges can affect various types of gears and goals to create a, a stress response in the tissues. Um, and then, of course, we had system science and tools where we, we actually brought the science to prove that what we were doing had relevance, but more importantly, the tools that could actually produce the outcome to the science. So it was a very, very different uh, process, Coxie, to what it is uh, or to, to where it was at the time. Um, obviously, now those sorts of things are starting to come into the industry, which is fantastic because great people like you have taken them away, taught them, um, explained them and used them in your businesses. Yeah, and, and the, the brain's trust behind PTA Global was immense. So yourself and your current partner in Phil Soma, Rodney Corn, but then Rodney Korn. Michelle Dalcourt yep. had done a thousand things, but, but yep. on top of that, he's, he, he's the one of the creators of the Viper and then also yep. Institute of Motion, um, Scott Hobson, and then Bobby Capuccio, who, who yep. himself, can I call Bobby a savant? Like that bloke's... Yeah, of course you can. Of course you can. Call him anything. Bobby, the closest thing I've ever come to meeting a savant, like the, the, the brain that man has. Yeah, it's incredible. ridiculous. And of course, the guy that actually over, oversaw the whole the whole project was Richard Boyd, who created a company called PT on the Net, previous to PTA Global, and his company was the largest educational website in the world for PT. So we had a lot of existing relationships. We had a lot of existing uh, experience between us all that we now wanted to share with the world. So PTA Global was, the, was a perfect platform. Yeah, and if Bobby's a savant, then then Boyd is a visionary, wasn't he? What, oh, absolutely. As, as we said, mate, he was always the connector. He just he got us into places that no one would ever get you into. And the relationships that he created in this industry were just phenomenal. And respect 
that he had in the industry was just phenomenal, which is unusual in our industry, right? Just just on PJ Globe before we dive into Soma, one of the things that, that stuck out for me, um, that, was, that was a really sort of pivotal moment in the fitness industry, um, you know, that up until that day, from, from my perspective anyway, and for many people looking in, um, we were still dominated. The, the dominant narrative was that around bodybuilding, do you know what I mean, L- lose weight, mm-hmm. all the, the, the narratives of what people come to the gym for, potentially some of it's driven by guilt, you know what I mean? You think of advertisements in, in the fitness yeah. industry, in the mind's eye for a moment, you're going to see, you know, a ripped dude and a ripped girl. People might look at that with envy and say, well, if only I look like that, I might be happy. Um <laughs> PTA Global came in and and for an education for me, I'd done so much education up to that point and was a master trainer for NASM and mm-hmm. power played and then, you know, all these things that I had the opportunity to do. But PTA Global was so pivotal for a couple of reasons. You guys brought in um, behaviour and communication, which it's crazy that it wasn't to the depth that it was that you guys brought in. But then another one that jumped out and for me just brings a smile on my face when we speak about it is play. You yeah. brought in, and you 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 were a genius at that, mate. When I remember going to that, was that five days we hung out in the classroom? Yeah. And then just play is not a dirty word, you know. And and yeah, science yeah. has validated every mammal on the planet plays. But in yeah. our industry, we bring people into a gym, and we'll leave that play hat out there until yeah. you guys come along. And it was just such a a great moment to be a part of that. Um, underneath these five guys to to run out and sort of blow the trumpet of PGA Global for the few years that I did. It was a breath of fresh air, wasn't it, mate? And I think was, all mate. this, Andrew, it, you get to a stage where, as you say, we've delved so heavily into the science and research that sometimes we get a bit, we forget about the most important thing, and that's the human being mm-hmm. and the human experience. So to be able to connect now and to be able to understand what people were actually wanting, not just, you know, when someone said they wanted to get stronger, that may not necessarily meant I want to put what you know put muscle on. That may have meant I want to be hurt. But having the having the ability to ask those questions through behavioural change and communication was phenomenal. And then understanding the tissues from a, a a functional anatomy scenario rather than just from an isolated muscle versus muscle versus muscle. And then I think being able to connect people through bringing back enjoyment in their movement, which is what play was all about, right? So. You know, we brought in self-fascial mobilisation and osteofascial uh, techniques using the rollers on the bones and all that sort of stuff. So it was it was pivotal for not only the participants but also for the people who are actually bringing PTA Global because we truly could see what was missing in the industry. But to have people like yourselves who actually showed your loyalty and your trust in us to be able to, you know, come along and enjoy it and learn it and then go away and, and teach it was just fantastic. So... No, thank you from, from us to you. Certainly put the body back together from a biomechanical perspective with functional biomechanics, yeah. from a connection perspective with the, the human behaviour and communication, uh, yeah. and then also from a, hey, let's just de-stress for a bit and, and play. It just yeah. brought the human being back in, back in. Yeah. Um, one thing that you said there, which is a great segue for us to get into Phil Soma, because I'd really like to, to dedicate the rest of this conversation to what you're doing right now. Um, you said the human experience. And then, then I, I look at human experience, I just wrote it down, then I go to the name of your current company, it's called Feel, Feel Soma. So that, that first word, I'm sure that didn't come about by accident, knowing you and especially Corny, and, and Corny is someone that understands the research, doesn't he? He does a deep dive oh. into 
research. He's phenomenal. Absolutely yeah. phenomenal, mate. It, look, it's SOMA is an acronym. It stands for self, osteo, bony, myofascial, obviously muscle and fascia applications. So self, the very first thing is how many people can actually feel themselves. And I don't mean by with my hands. I mean, can they feel how they breathe? How do they move? And when they move, what are they feeling? What locations do they feel ease? What locations do they feel restrictions? When they're in their tissues, in their body, in their work environment, do they feel systemically inflamed? Do they feel like now their sympathetic nervous system is actually their wired, fight, flight, or freeze mode, rather than can I go into a stressful situation? Do I come into a parasympathetic to now start to heal? So feeling Sama for us was really, especially for Rodney and I, I went to Rodney and said, Rodney, people have an understanding or a taste of what OD on movement is, what Rodney Korn is. How about we now have a scientific rationale of what using a roller on the bony sections or using a roller on the muscular sections or moving with rhythm and timing or potentially now understanding how to breathe or even more, how about we get people to play in a manner in which it allows them now to have the safety, the non-judgment and the freedom to actually recapture their movement like they did as a kid. So Phil Soma really was born through that. One of the things that comes up in our industry and, and you know, so, so my business, Joint Dynamics, we have physical therapy, massage therapy, osteopathy, personal training, I'm a psychologist, sports medicine doctor. Um, and sometimes, especially in physical therapy and then also the personal training, movement coaching industry, um, we feel the need to be very objective. So I'm going to ask you, OD, to move this way and then rudimentary, I see the knee move in and then I go back to my research and I go back to my list and I'll say, well, the knee moves in, this leads to that. And as much as possible, we hang out our confidence hat on objectivity, whereas I come and hang out with you and you're using words like feel and, and it becomes quite subjective. So my, my point that I'd like to try to get you to answer, my, my confusion that I have, um, so when, when you work with a client, and yep. you say you want them to be able to feel the, the tension in their body, feel the restrictions in their body. Is there, a, is there a point along the journey, and let's say at the start when people start working with you and Corny or your, your Feel Soma, um, yep. been through your courses, where the, the client, which is who we're, we're working for, isn't it, where the client, and you ask them to feel, but because the world that they've come from and the world that they've lived in of neglect, of physical neglect, let's say, and even mental, emotional, spiritual neglect, whatever, but let's just say physical, that they don't trust that subjective feeling. So you're saying to them, hey, I want you to bend forward and feel the tension in the back line of your body, maybe around your, the upper part of your leg, your hamstrings, the glutes, the back, whatever. Um, and I want you just to feel that and then we're going to do an invention and hopefully you will feel, and I'm using that word on purpose, feel. Yeah. Is there? Do you get feedback from clients that say, look, AD, mate, I, I really appreciate it, but I sit on my bum 12 hours a day and at the moment I just don't trust myself to yep. feel what you're asking me to feel, and I don't know if I'm doing this right. Can I give you the power for a while to tell me what to do? Do you ever, do you ever come across that from that? So, Coxie, let's go back one step further because if we truly understand behavioural change, I'm never going to use a word that they're going to feel uncomfortable with. So when a person comes in through a period of conversation, two or three sentences, you're going to start to understand whether they're analytical, you know, whether they're progressive, whether whatever they type of person they may be. So... I'll always get someone to move in a manner 
in which they feel comfortable, whether they're traditional movers, whether they're functional progressive movers, whether they're hybrid, what we call hybrid movers, you know, where they, they, they're comfortable to move a little bit sort of funky, but not too much. So for me, I get someone like a solicitor or an accountant in, very analytical. They want to know how they move, very structured. I want to know what it does, blah, blah, blah. Most people will come to me because they have pain. Hmm. Let's be perfectly honest. And I will get people to me after they've seen everyone else. Now, they're coming to me. Why? Because whatever whatever they've done hasn't worked, right? Yeah. Now, and, and they've had enough of pain because pain correct. sucks and it changes your outlook on the world and I need someone to help me, so to speak. Correct. So what I've got to try and do then, and let's say they come in with lower back pain, right? Mm-hmm. So the very first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to ask them what do they think is causing it? Because if we understand one thing is that they know them better than we know them. So if I can now start to understand what their thought process is, in that process, you'll generally get some, you know, it really feels like they start to use the words more than I start to use the words. So the beautiful thing is their language dictates the language I'm going to use back to them. We would call that communication, right? So I'm not there to fix, I'm there to help guide. So when we talk about feel soma, it's really creating an awareness of how we can get them to be empowered to take control of the situation. So um, they might do they might do a movement. Let's call it a sit and reach. Now I might get them to stand a hundred mil, four inches away from a wall, and I'm going to get them to sit and reach and maybe just shift their hips into the wall. So it's a sit and reach. It's not a squat. I'm not telling them to go into a position where they know there's going to be pain in their back. I'm asking them to sit into a chair where they feel comfortable and use the wall for some support if you can. Now, you might find they do two and go, yeah, feels okay. Let's try two on the other side. And they go, oh, no, wow, that really feels quite cranky. Good. Let's go back to the other side now, and I might change your foot position just to see if I can now get a little bit more movement in in those hips because obviously if I go to the left side, the second side I went to, that side's giving you a bit of irritation. So you know what? I'm going to work where there's a positive outcome, not a negative outcome. Now, what's really interesting is that because of functional anatomy, we start to understand where these lines of tissues now that are incorporated and that are inclusive, where they run. So we now start to have an understanding. And when I say we, me as a coach, have an understanding of what potentially causes back pain. And the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go back and say, well, 60 to 65% of lower back pain comes from lack of range of motion in your ankles. So if I can now get him to do a sit and reach and I'm moving his hips three to four inches away from a wall and he's just touching the wall and coming back and I'm shifting his foot position, I'm now instantly changing the biomechanical forces that can travel through his ankle, which is going to take stress off his back. Mm. So if we go back now and I say, right, try the other side, nine and a half times out of ten, he'll go, oh, that feels easier, or she'll go, that feels easier. What have I done now? You've created magic, mate. Do you want me to break it down or is that a rhetorical question? Because I thought it was beautiful. Well, I think what we've done now is create the relationship. Yeah, trust. Bingo. So, and Coxie, look, if we, if we are truly honest about what you and I do in this industry, that's all we do. We create trust because that's the essence of how, where we come from. We come from our hearts. We always have. And when you can create trust, then you can, you can have this magical dance with the client where you can actually walk them into positions where they may not be confident, yet because of the trust in our relationship, they're prepared to go to where they feel comfortable. 
And this is the beautiful thing about it. If I don't push anyone outside their threshold, they're not going to feel pain. Mm. So it's almost a matter of, you know, by simply listening to their background, by simply observing how they move, and, and you know as well as I do, when you get people to move and they start to feel that they're comfortable, all of a sudden their face changes, all of a sudden their tension changes, all of a sudden the fluid dynamics in their body change, the neural response changes, the mechanical patterns. So all of a sudden, simply by giving them the safety, you can guide them into potential pain relief, pain decrease, pain elimination, purely by listening to them and understanding what they're looking for. But, but sometimes when I listen to you, AD, and thankfully I've got to do that a lot, we've got to hang out a lot, um, you're someone that's incredibly astute in the human body and even with horses is your background in, you know, playing sports. Uh, and maybe if I was listening, if, if I wasn't me, in an alternate um, reality, yep. I, my name is Susan and I'm listening to this podcast with you and I and I'm, and I'm listening and the first thing that I would say to Susan, hey, Susan, OD is very humble because the smarts are under the table. Because what you just did then when you spoke about that client experience and you and you brought up just almost flippantly, you brought up some research about ankle range of motion. And then you said, well, I got them to sit into a chair, which is something that someone does every day, which is non-threatening. Whereas if I say to you, put your arms overhead and squat, you're like, well, I'm not sure if I can squat. <laughs> so that, that's one, one thing that, that you've done because you're incredibly well-informed and you have the research and have incredibly smart people around you, Rodney Corn. Um, but so what you did, you said, hey, just just sit, just do what you do every day. Just sit into a chair and reach your hand. Oh, of course I can do that. So that's not threatening. And then the next thing you did was you found where they weren't confident and you flipped it and you went, well, how about this? We're going to go after where you're successful to build more confidence to say, mate, you're doing incredible. And you also said that it's not about me, it's about you. So I'm just here. I'm this guy with with my faults and problems, my passion, my expertise, potentially you're someone with your faults and problems, your, your passions and expertise. All I'm doing is taking what I know and trying to help you gain self-sovereignty so you can look after yourself. And, and then you said, well, what if you change your feet? So if everyone listening, Susan, you're with us? <laughs> if, if, Susan, if you do a, a sit and reach, or let's call it a squat if you're not sure what a sit and reach is, sit in your chair, but if you put your right foot in front of your left foot, Keep both feet parallel, for example. AD, is that okay? Yeah. When correct. you squat, yep. the way that AD has positioned that, that client that we spoke about, he's getting that left ankle to get more range of motion, which is based on what he just said a minute ago, 65% of back pain comes from lack of range of motion of the ankle. He's put him in a position where without them even knowing, that's the important part, subconsciously you've positioned the body to get what you need so the smarts are under the table. Yeah. You bloody humble son of a bitch. I love that. <laughs> I love that. And you're getting the results. That you, and you just said it yourself. You're getting the results nine, nine and a half out of ten. And, yeah. and what's the best, OD? Because, you know, in our industry, and I love it the bits, I do. We're so lucky to do what we do, aren't we, OD? We are. We but certainly often, are, man. Often, and maybe there's a time for it, but often what we do is we highlight what they're not good at, don't we? And we let them know and we say, and this is why you need me because this is not very good. And here's a metric of what is good, and you're not there. So yeah. sometimes if we go back to that, we say you you need me. Whereas yeah. you're going, you're, you're going, here's where you're really good. How good's that? Let's yeah. play around that. And when we play around with what you're really good at and maybe change the body position and bring in some other things, you're you're going to have a result of getting better at what you're not good at, but we're going after success as opposed yeah. to your failings. And that in yeah. Human behavioural and psychology is just 
awesome. And that's where and our engine needs to go, isn't it, mate? We need well, potentially, but you know, I, think, I love that. that Coxie, I, th- I think, I think that the, the people who are open to change are going there already. Hmm. And I'll use that, that statement, open to change. Unfortunately, our industry is very closed on change because it's very structured in the way it runs protocols, it runs assessments, it runs testing and everything. So, you know, what we've got to start to look at now is not the human body that presents itself in front of us, but the human being. Because me as a broken down athlete, me as a person who has had every tissue in his body damaged, me who lost an eye when I was three and had to adapt and then learn to kick my opposite side of my body and then, and then try and get to the elite level. What that really showed me, Coxie, was adaptation, tissue adaptation. If I'm in the outback of Queensland and I break my leg and no one comes to get me, that leg's going to heal. Whether you like it or not, that bone, that tissue is going to heal. But if I could change the emotional response in the way that tissue heals, in other words, I come along, I'm driving my car, I find a guy, I look after him, I put him in a splint, I take him to hospital, I make sure he's okay when he's in the hospital, I go back, all of a sudden that guy's emotional response, the way the vibration of the tissue is going to heal is, wow, how lucky was I to have a person out there and I've got a great people in the hospital now and these people are going to look. That tissue response in the healing process, one, will quicken the, the, the time in healing. Two, will enhance the strength of the tissue because it's not constantly being broken down from a hormone response because of emotional stress. Mm. Now, as a football AFL player in years gone by, I had all these issues and I had chronic groin pain, which they tried to tell me was tight adductors. They wanted to cut my adductors, right? Now, what I now know it was, was the fact that I was probably playing in fear, not fear of getting hurt, fear of not being good enough. So when I'm addressing tissue challenges that people come into, whether it's brain challenges, whether it's, you know, disc bulges, whether it's, you know, we've got degeneration in in joints, what I'm really dealing with first is what's their fear level and where's that putting them at the moment? Because most people that I'm seeing who haven't played sport, who are experiencing their first pain at 55 years of age, they're in a bucket load of emotional turmoil mm-hmm. and mental. So it's kind of funny, mate, what, and maybe it's the Australian way. Maybe we've been given assets from growing up in a country where we did care and we always were thoughtful and that sort of stuff. But we do it pretty naturally when we work with people, right? We're, we're careful and, and we're caring of our team, of our, of our clients, and it's, that's very evident because I've known you a long time, as you have me. So it's, it's interesting, mate, because there are things that maybe our industry should be looking at is how do we create this compassion and empathy now to look at the human being rather than the human body? Because there's an old saying Bobby used to say all the time, you know, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care, right? Yeah. And it's so true because, you know, I've had people get off my table, walk out of my studio and... They've said, but we've done two movements and the pain's gone. But the funny part is we've probably had a conversation for 20 minutes delving into various areas and not me not asking questions of wanting answers, me just saying now, well, have you thought about this? You know, how well do you sleep? Where are your finances at the moment? How's your relationship going? I don't need answers, but I do need you to tick and flick. I need you to go back and just have a quick review because if any of these things are happening, it will affect pain levels in your body and inflammatory responses now, mate, 
are so big everywhere. We know that. And that's, once again, that's another big reason why Phil Soma has come to the fore. We wanted to bring Phil Soma to the, to the level where it is because really when you look at it, Coxie, you know, we talk nerve, muscle, bone, right? They're the three big things. Now, all right, fascia's starting to become a little bit sexy. And then, oh, you can throw some skin in there. Well, they're all 70% water. But then you've got the two most important tissues that no one talks about, and that's blood and lymph. So if water got, there, mate. Well, blood, 92, lymph, 96%. Yeah. And you've got 20 litres of that stuff in your body that has to go from your feet to your lymphatic duct and to your heart. Yeah. But no one talks about an inflammatory or a fluid response that has to travel through all of those tissues for you to be able to move, feel, and live better. And, and especially on the, the immune system part of the fluid, which is so, – so the blood is about 8 and the, the, the immune, the lymph is about 12, isn't it, something like that? Yep. Certainly more uh, six, six and 14, yep. Yeah, yeah, certainly more lymph than blood. Um, but if you don't get adequate movement, especially in certain junctions of the body, knowing the architecture of the immune system, if you don't get adequate movement around those hips and shoulders and spines, then then the the effectiveness of the immune system is downregulated. Whereas if you get good movement, especially around the hips and the, the spine and the shoulders and the neck, then that will upregulate immune system, which is super topical in the world we live in at the moment. So movement yeah, yeah, is yeah. bloody medicine, isn't it, mate? Yeah, it is, mate. And then oh, and let's if we just if we just looked at a couple of areas, and as I say, you know, fascia obviously is a big tissue that we've focused on because we know that it, it, it encompasses everything in the body, every muscle, nerve, every organ, the brain, everything's in, in, encased in fascia. Nose to and the toes know, was the catch line, wasn't it? Nose, nose to the toes, mate. It's, it's yeah. nebulous. It's everywhere. Yeah. And the interesting thing, fascia is, what, 70% water. So it's, what makes it even more so is that when we look at the body, and this is the way that I love to sort of describe it. If we look at the body as a river and I've got this fascia, which is the banks of the river and the fascia runs from the feet and the feet are really what we would call bony. So they're quite a narrow part of the river. And then they come into the calves and the calves are quite meaty. So that's a wide part of the river. And then you come into the knees, quite bony, narrow part. And then you come into the thighs, meaty, quite wide. Then you come into the Sitting bone, sacrotibius ligament, the pelvis, quite bony, narrow part. And then you come into the gut, which is meaty, quite, quite a wide part. And then you come into the sternum, once again, bony, narrow part. And then it has to get the lymphatic duct. So everywhere that we travel through the body, everywhere there's a bony section, there's a chance of that river blocking. Because if a tree falls into a narrow part of a river, now I've got pooling starting to occur or I've got a weir starting to occur. So it's kind of funny because if someone comes to me with knee pain and if I look above the knee at the, you know, at the back of the, of the thigh where there's a big lymphatic node, if that node's stagnant, then I'm going to create fluid in the knee. Well, if I increase fluid, I'm going to increase neural activity, which is going to give you a sense of discomfort or pain. Shift, pump, move the, the fluid through the knee from the lymphatic node, get it flowing, and all of a sudden fluid disappear knee function to returns and away we go. And is there, if, if we go back to what you and Corny have created with Phil Soma, is there a protocol that you guys follow? So just say if I'm, I'm I think one of the reasons why NASM has been so successful over the years, and I've taught NASM throughout so many yep. countries, and, and I, I, I enjoy teaching and I think it's a great system and it's to find a system, a system as a coordinated body of methods that will allow me to produce reproducible results. And trainers, especially new trainers, come into the industry 
and they want that. They want to be able to feel confident and they go, okay, what do I do first and, and can you give me the rationale why? And then after I do that, what could I do second and can you give me the science and rationale why? And for a lot of trainers, especially at the onset of, of your, your career in, in this industry, it's nice to feel to have the confidence based on a system that a lot of really smart people have put together. Yeah, um, absolutely. So with, with Phil Soma, is there, is there a, a system, meaning, OD, the, the first time I come in and you're using the Phil Soma model that you and Corny have created, is there a step one, Andrew, now you, you've done the education with, with you and now I've got a Phil Soma certification and I feel more confident. Now when I work out with that client next week when they come to see me, is there a, is there, is there a skeleton, a framework that I follow and, and that I could call the Phil Soma way where step one, I do this, step two, I do this, or, or is it slightly different? Can you dive into that a little bit for me, mate? Yeah, absolutely. So we've got three levels of Phil Soma. So the whole idea about us was before we can teach anyone to assess or to appraise, you've got to make sure that we can feel. And what that feeling is, is pretty de- definite, right? So, Coxie, you and, I, you and I know a fair bit. You know, we've been taught a lot what I mean, what I mean by that. But the trouble is, is that absolute? And is it absolute for every client? So I get a client who comes in who's got shoulder pain. Now, my first question I want to know is, what's their lifestyle like? And nine times out of ten, they're very vague on their lifestyle. Not much is said. So what we would say is that, okay, in level one, you're going to learn awareness and technique. So we coach you through, we give you the scientific rationale, and we coach you through how to become more aware of various movements, breathing, whether you can hold a position. So this is where play becomes powerful because we might put someone in a ready position or a sports position, and we might start throwing the ball at them. And then a person's got a shoulder problem. Now, we might get them just to really gently be throwing a soft ball at them, but the thing about it is nine times out of ten, people with shoulder issues can't stay in a sports position because we know from functional, bio, uh, from functional anatomy that, say, the right shoulder connects to the left knee. So all of a sudden, if I go into a sports position or a seated position where I'm ready into a ready position, ready to go, They won't be able to maintain a tall spine. They can't hinge at the hips, and they certainly can't connect through their feet. So we could do a 30-second game with a really soft ball and find that after 10 seconds, they're going to want to stand up because they can't maintain that position. So if they can't maintain that position, you know, that might be a situation where you say, okay, they've got a shoulder problem. That's where their shoulder problem is coming from. Now, if we, that's just an awareness thing. That's not an assessment. That's just an awareness thing. We might say, you know what? Let's put you on the roller and maybe put the roller to the front of your sternum. Maybe put the roller to the lateral ribs of your sternum. And we might take a comparison and we might do the bony sections just, just to see what comes up. And all of a sudden, just by simply making them aware of the tension in their tissue, all of a sudden now that will, that, potentially can change what their shoulder does. Mm. So this is the really clever thing. We've got four movement patterns we can put them through. We've got breathing techniques. We've got movement techniques that we put them through. We've got applications with the roller and various tools that we can put them through that allow the person to feel rather than us to diagnose. 
So now if a person walks out of my studio and that person now feels that shoulder, they've got an option of going one, two, three. How does that, did that change the tissue? Is it the same? Is it worse? Nine times out of 10, we'll find in that session a sequence of areas that we go to that will change what happens through the shoulder. And when you say they've got an option, one, two, three, meaning take the foam roller home and do this on your own. So now you're empowered, there's that word you use. Correct. So they've got a foam roller, they'll go home, they've got, they might have five locations that we covered in the in the session. And all of a sudden we we identified two locations made a big difference. Big difference. As in shoulder went from being at 90 to almost up at up to 12 o'clock. So being at say nine o'clock up to to 12 o'clock. Now the interesting thing is then we will add a movement. And the movement will be something that enables the shoulder to reconnect to the pelvis, to reconnect to the knee, to reconnect to the foot. So it's a really simple process of understanding, firstly, level one, awareness and technique. Then once we we get people au fait and okay and confident with using the roller in various techniques, whether it's self-osteofascial, and self-osteofascial engagement means using the roller on yourself in certain bony locations. Now, that's something that we've never done in the industry, and I've been doing that for 20-odd years. And the change that we've seen in applying pressure to the bone has been phenomenal. And understanding that the bones are densely encased in fascia and there's mechanoreceptors that love various types of reactions, whether it's tangential, whether it's rolling, whether it's vibration, whatever, which will then allow the tissues around the bone to move better. And once again, bone is 70% water. So bones aren't hard, bones are soft. That's a bit different to what we've been taught, isn't it, mate? Mm. So if we can now create some malleability back in the bones and also by creating pressure, we can potentially create plasma from the bone through force from the roller. Now, that's something that's not taught about. We talked about blood before. Well, plasma is a pretty important part of blood. So it's kind of cool, Coxie, that we can give you some techniques, whether it's self-osteofascial engagement, and we use the word engagement because there is no research in the world, thank you, Rodney Korn, that shows that you can release fascia or muscles, right? But we at SOMA, we have a lead system, what we call a lead system. We listen, we engage, we appraise, and we design. That's what we do. So you talk about systems, that's what we've built our whole business on. Yeah. So we have a scenario now where we listen to the client. We don't just listen to them verbally. We listen to them in their movement patterns. We listen to their challenges and how we take them. Then we engage them with movement or an application using a roller, an MB5 ball, a grid stick. Mm-hmm. And once you've observed what the outcomes are from that application, then we appraise that gives us the basis of their feedback and what we've seen. That's called an appraisal in our eyes because we've got a relationship here, not a dictatorship from top down, bottom up, and then we design a simple program for them to do. Right, so in this session today, you had shoulder pain in your left shoulder. We realised that when we went to the left lateral rib cage and then we went to the substernal, two roller techniques, that helped that shoulder immensely. And then we got them to do a split stance, left arm, uh, diagonal reach with rotation and that helped immensely as well or they might have had their hand on the wall we might have them to do a sit and reach whatever it may be they will have a little program that we will have identified and designed 
purely by what we've done in that session. So if you're a practitioner, that's what we'll show you how to do just in level one. Then you've got level two and level three, which gets into the sexiness of everything from appraisals to um, tick and flick charts to you know prep questionnaires, pre-regeneration -re -re questionnaires, pre-regeneration -re programming, a whole lot. We've got all these systems now that become a tick and flick thing. So, but initially before you do anything, if you if you're not aware how you breathe, how the heck can you stand on one leg and do a single leg activity? Because if we understand that the big toe, the pelvic floor, the diaphragm, the periocardium of the heart and lung, the tongue, the hyoid and the temple are all part of that deep front line and that is activated through breath, then if we can't breathe, we can't move. If we can't move, we can't load. Yeah. But, it's good, right? It's, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. Well, it, when you unpack it that way, <laughs> let's say it's pretty straightforward, but just even having an understanding of that deep front line and the way that it bifurcates and trifurcates and understanding that, by no, by no, I'm, I'm glad you said that, the humble nature of you <laughs> there again. I'm glad you said it's simple, but that's, that's the simplicity on the other side of complexity. You, yeah. you guys understanding what needs to be understood to be able to speak in a very non-flippant way and just say, hey, here's how it is. But there's a whole, there's a whole raft of, of algorithms and, and complexity behind that. I'm um, just on, just on one thing. Um, it's almost ubiquitous as well. Self myofascial release. And now you guys are saying, hang on a minute, look over here. Um, self osteo um, fascial release. So that, that's slightly different. And then the reason why you, you've, I remember years ago when you started doing this OD and, and all of us like, what the hell is he doing putting on the bony station there? And then you, you sort of, and, and then also influenced by Thomas Myers and the, how he put together yep. some great work on, on the anatomy trains. And so the reason why you're going after the bony stations with the foam rollers is that go back to fascia. There's a lot of fascial connection at, at bony stations and coming from, let's go back to muscles, coming from a lot of muscles that, that will have fascia and they will, they will all sort of come together at yep. a bony station. Mm -hmm. um, and and, pass, the reasons, and pass through it. Yeah, yeah, that, just, that's what I was about to say. A, a joint is also a way to, to spread stress or spread forces throughout the body because the body doesn't really like to localise as much as what we believe it does. It, it likes to take stress and spread it into the system or, or force, let's say, spread forces into the system. It does that through the joints. Um, so they're not just fulcrums and levers. They're, they're a way to, to spread or attenuate forces throughout the body. Is that one of the, the, the guiding principles behind putting a foam roller? On a, on a bony station, let's say the lateral hip, or you, you said the sternum. Um, yep. at, at the sternum, there's a stack of fascia, isn't there, from the pecs, the abdominals, and, you know, even cool. the way that the lats will wrap around and interdigitate, interdigitate excuse me, with, with the ribs into the abdominals. So there's a lot of forces that need to get through that bony station that I'm rubbing my sternum at the moment from yeah, yeah. many different directions. Is I that think you made a real. I think you made a really powerful statement just there, Andrew. It's it is locations, right? And when you identify certain locations of the body, so we talk about this sternum area, right? Very fascially dense. Yes, it can have big muscles coming off it, but it's very fascially dense. Thoracolumbar fascia in the back, very fascially dense. Once again, near the sacrum, near the lower lumbar spine, the ITB, and we now know the ITB has a direct connection wraps around the femur. So you've got these really thick tissues that don't really give much, don't really, like they're not rubber, they don't stretch, but they do have to move. And the beautiful thing about 
you know, what we've always said, and you know me, the smallest movement makes the biggest change. If I've got 12 ribs that I'm trying to attenuate change in, let's call them T1 to T12, and I get one mil of change in every one of those ribs, one mil, she's not much, Hmm. that's 12 mil overall that would change your rib angle, your pelvic angle, and your foot angle. One mil is all I'm after. Now, it's interesting because when I come to someone with neck pain, shoulder pain, the first place I go is the front of the rib cage. And if we understand the functional anatomy now, we start to understand that a lot of these tissues come from behind the nuchal notch, behind the uh, occiput region, and they come down the front, down through the sacrum, down the, through the aponeurosis of the abdominals, into the pubis, and they will then migrate down through the legs and through the feet. Now, whether that's a lateral line, whether that's a superficial front line, back line, whether it's a, a spiral, it doesn't matter, but they have to pass through locations. And a lot of those locations are these bony structures. They either wrap around them, they travel diagonally through them. They're, they're, there's always this migration through these bony locations. So for me, as a sports person, every time I got injured, the physio, the chiro, the osteo, who I love, my wife's a chiro, um, some of my best friends are physios, but they would always go to the meaty bits. But the trouble was I rehabbed, preconditioned, conditioned, played, broke down, rehabbed, preconditioned, preconditioned, yeah. played. Re- see what I mean? So there was something missing, right? But as soon as I started going to the bony sections, where we could attenuate, where the tissue could pass the force through, because you said it beautifully, the, the muscles don't like to just take all the force and leave it there. They want to get rid of it. They want to mitigate it. They want to share it, right? So the more we understand when you look at a kangaroo or you look at a racehorse, how they load this big spring and it just throws them, Yeah. the more you can share the force, the less breakdowns you have. So for me, it was a no-brainer because when I was using self-myofascial release all those years ago, I loved it, but my clients didn't. It was too painful. Hmm. But what I started to realise from a person using their hands, when I went to the bony sections, I didn't have to be there long and I didn't have to do too much. So with a roller, we had simple shifts or simple rolls, simple shifts no longer than 20 seconds, no longer. So I can get a person on, create change, get them off, and allow them to re-metric their movement to feel what the difference has been in under a minute. And going yeah, back to your powerful. original analogy, you've, you've just taken that log, the tree that fell in the river, you've lifted the, the tree out of the river and Bingo. allowed that to flow through there, isn't it? So, so when you are going through that, I went back to that analogy and I went, oh, hang on a minute, there's that bloody tree falling yeah. in the river. He's just picked the tree out of the water. Yeah. Now, Coxie, you'll, you'll love this. So we're in China in December 2019, right? Rodney and I are doing some stuff, and the Nassim boys are there, so we're having a chat because um, the uh, Rodney hadn't met, hadn't met the new guys, but he knew some of the old team, right? So we're staying in the same hotel. It was just hilarious. So we caught up with them and having a chat, and but we're, we're there, and we presented, they presented, I think, for the first three days, and then we came after them and used the same room. Anyway, the guys who came in and did feel same, there was they were more athletic coaches. They were really savvy. Like, it was a great bunch of guys. And um, one of these guys, you can see, is very studious, very academic. He says, uh, uh, Mr. Rodney, Mr. Rodney, um, uh, I read a paper. It's a you don't foam roll bone, you foam roll muscle. <laughs> and Rodney goes, when was that paper written? He said, uh, 2002. And he said, 
I wrote it, didn't I? He said, yeah. <laughs> so he said, why are we now foam rolling boat? And he said, because we didn't have the courage to ask the questions that OD did. And by asking the questions now, the research has come out. We've seen the results. That's the important thing. We've seen the results. But now the research has come out. So in that immersion, that level one immersion that we do, whether it's online or face-to-face, you actually get to understand why we do the, the self-osteofascial in, engagement and why we use, still use self-myofascial engagement and the power of the combination of them both. Not one is better than the other, Coxie. There's not. There's Because there's different athletes who are really muscularly bound. There's other athletes who are really fascially and bony bound. But then if you combine them with a bit of self-fascial mobilisation where we use slow, subtle, rhythmical movement in patterns then all of a sudden it just resets the brain, resets the tissues, allows mobility, allows space, and the body just, you know, loves it. And great, the, the, the progress well, of, of all industry, obviously, but, but ours in particular because it's the, the nature of what we're talking about. 2002, there was a paper that had influence, and then, you know, you go back 17 years later and say, yeah, wait, I, I, Corny, I wrote the paper, I understand, but please understand our, our knowledge of the human body now is 17 years advanced um, so it's great to be influenced by by science, of course, and you know, John Dynamics. That's one of the things we're, we're very influenced by science. But yep. sometimes, you know, the, the more you work with people, I, I, I guess you develop better intuition. Sometimes mm-hmm. you you just have to take a, a hunch and maybe test it on yourself and test it on a few clients, and then that can drive like what you've done. You've t- taken the industry a couple of steps forward, mate. Well, and but the beautiful thing about this, mate, there's. You've got to have people who have the courage to actually jump on board with you. Mm. You know, I can remember the first five years I was in the industry and you could see people sort of, you know, half laughing behind their hands saying, well, this, is, you know, this stuff is not going to work. And then you're 10 years in and they're going, well, this stuff actually works, but, you know, we'll just see what goes. And then you're 15 years in, they're going, well, this stuff's really cool. And all of a sudden you're 20 years in, you're a legend, right? And you go, no, it doesn't quite work that way. But you've got to have the courage to follow what you've seen and what you've experienced. And, and you've done that. I mean, you've been with NASM for a long time now. I mean, Rodney wrote the first official NASM manual. I mean, you talk about great men yeah. and, you know, that night we had with NASM in China was just phenomenal in, in uh, Shanghai. <clears throat> but it's but this is the thing, right? It's having the courage to implement what you know can change the human being in front of you. You know, not for one minute do we say fuel soma fixes anyone because it doesn't. What we have always wanted to do was be collaborative. We've always wanted to have something that bolts on to every person's toolbox because you know what? People out there are smarter than Rodney and I. We've come up with an area that is really powerful, but there's other people who are far more brilliant than us in other areas. So if we can help them become even more brilliant and if we can have the ability to collaborate with them and help their business and help our business, we're over the moon. Mate, I'm going to start calling you Nicholas Copernicus. That's what I'm doing from now on. Ian, <laughs> Ian, Ian Copernicus, and why sort of mi- it mixes with the OD, but anyway. So, so back back to you, Nicholas Copernicus. So you, you you've done your in the soma in the soma. We've done the the self osteo release self. Yeah. Um, and then you sort of alluded towards that. After that, you might get up and you might do some some movements. And, and it's my I'm sort of saying that it might be an integrated movement. Where you take yep. that knowledge of functional biomechanics and the, and the joints, the, the way they move and the reaction, mm-hmm. what happens when yep. it's the ground, what that does to the pelvis, what that does to the spine, maybe what that staying on your analogy, what that does to the shoulder, and how you're going to integrate that. You'll observe that. So then you'll, you'll use the, the the foam roller, 
And then you'll yep. get up and you'll move the body. Maybe that can be yep. a little bit of neural repatterning and also help with hydration and also um, let the body go, wow, I can spread forces throughout my sternum yeah, yeah. a lot better. And then OD, knowing you and then the, the brilliance of what you and Corny do, is that when you bring in play? Like you might say, hey, here's the movement that I want, but I'm not going to yeah. consciously say, hey, now you're coaching me. Hey, Andrew, I want you to squat and I want you to lift your right arm out to the side there and maybe your elbow will be about shoulder height. I'm going to catch, throw a ball so I'll get that external rotation in the shoulder, get that lengthening through the what we call the pec or the front of the shoulder and through the opposite abdominals. Instead of me saying that, what I'm going to do, I'm going to take a tennis ball and I'm, I am going to consciously throw the ball and you will react, you will perceive and react like we do when we're playing sport, like we do in life. You'll perceive mm-hmm. and react and you'll move that arm out there You'll catch the ball unconsciously and then you'll throw it back and you don't even say, hey, did that hurt? You just do it. And then maybe after a few reps or what we might even call a set, is that when you might bring awareness and say, hey, see what you just did? That's the thing that you said you couldn't do, but just via the, the process of what we did and just by playing a bloody game, mate. Not that I'm being so, bad, but it's brilliant. Is that part of the process? So if, 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 I, if I broke it down into... On the website at the moment, I have these reconditioning programs and others, but there's a reconditioning program. So there's a reconditioning program that's called roll and move or a reconditioning program that's called move. And there's ankle, knee, anterior, posterior pelvis, anterior shoulder, posterior shoulder. Because we talk about rings, right? We don't talk about, we, we, we talk about rings of the body. And the reason we talk about rings is because there's nerve, muscle, bone, fascia, skin, blood and lymph that goes through every one of those rings. And if we're not inclusive of bringing all of those tissues together in what we do, then we're not training the human being, we're actually coaching the human body. So what we would say is that if I went to one of those programs, which was a ankle program, you would have a metric and a metric is just a movement, mm. but there'll be a metric that you to, to identify what you feel is a bit stuck or a bit limited. And then you would have the choice of, Two roller exercises. Now, each of those roller exercises, there's actually four in the in the in the chapter because one is wall, one is floor. Now you'll understand being an athlete, would you sooner the wall or the floor? Uh mate, I, I would probably go the wall, to be honest. If you if you're well, see, I like that, it gets very humble, but most athletes want to go to the floor because they want to feel the intensity. Most people are quite comfortable on the wall. So we give you an option of how to use it on the wall. Or the floor. So you've got a self osteofascial, two two techniques or two applications, but you can have a wall or a floor. So there's four exercises. Mm. Then you have the choice of self myofascial engagement, same thing applies. Then you have the choice of two mobilizers, right? And then you have the choice of two strengthening exercises. So with everything we do in this little program, you not only do you have a metric to see where you started, then have the choice if you want to use the whole program, fantastic. If not, you can use segments. Mm. Then you have the choice of doing a cable exercise or a dumbbell exercise. Then you will do a drill, which we would call play, but we'll call it a drill because some people don't like play. Yeah. And then you can re-metric to see what change there's been. Now, that's for the person who wants to roll and move. Then there's someone like Andrew Cox who comes in today. I've got, I haven't got my roller with me. What do I do? Well, actually, what I'm going to do is we're going to do a metric. We're going to do a couple of mobs. We're going to do a drill, and then we're going to re-metric, and that's it. So there might be a 10-minute program compared to a 35-minute program. So in the situation of where does play fit in, I would fit play in perfectly after you just said, I want to 
I want to get them to feel comfortable, get them to feel their body, get them to become aware, notice there's change. And then because when you think about feel soma, we are, one, trying to neurally enhance the tissue because we know that there's a big correlation between the nerve and the brain and the brain and the body. We are trying to mechanically improve or enhance the tissue because life's about patterns and so is the body. Mm. We're trying to improve the fluid dynamics because we know there's a lot of fluid in that body. More importantly, we're trying to now create an emotional, mental, physical and spiritual connection. And, And don't get scared of that word spiritual. That just means for me, how do I want to treat someone and how would I like to be treated back? Because if I can get people playing and they're happy, how do you think they're going to treat people? That's going to elevate their spirit, isn't it? Bingo. Of course it is, mate. And that's what I love. I love the fact that we can't separate. Like we, we talk about mind-body. We talk about breath. We talk about um, uh, mind-peace. We talk about function. We talk about flexibility. We talk about all these components. How about we just put them together? Hmm. And that's what we've done. We've just said, okay, let's create a simplicity, a simplicity of a movement patterning you call it a program, we'll call it exercise, we can call it sets, whatever, but it's just a simplicity of a procedure, a system, a protocol that you can follow. You can use a roller and move or you can just move. You do any of those programs and they're going to help whatever the rings are tenfold. Why? Because that's what I've been doing for the last 25 years. And if you can just move then, and if you can move with a certain level of confidence, then you'll add load to that movement. And the beautiful thing for, for us, mate, and you and I both know, we, we care for our clients and we want nothing more than our clients to move, feel, and live better, but it's when they leave us, right? So so we, we spoke about how I sort of changed how I coached and trained people. I don't want to see anyone more than once a week, maybe once a fortnight, potentially once a month. Mm. And the reason why is because I want to see more people and I want to empower more people. So if they can take a program now and incorporate this into their strength program, into their tennis, into their sport, I know that when they come back to see me, yeah, there might be some grumblies or some tissue responses that need attention, but I know that they've got the capability now of using a roller, using a ball, using movement, doing some breath, using a cable, using a dumbbell, doing some play that's going to help them get through and that's going to empower them. So all of a sudden they're not relying on me but you know what the funny part is, mate? The more I've changed my business program to go away from having people three times a week, the more of a backlog of clients I've got now. Yeah. Because they get it that it's not about me just seeing them, me controlling them. They get it that I actually care. And that's what I keep saying. I, I quote Bobby all the time about that. It's, you know, we, we really do care for our clients. And, and that's evident by the amount of times that you've traveled the world studying and the, the sacrifice you've made from your family helping NASM and PTAG and all of these organisations, PowerPlate and TRX. So, but the biggest thing about this, mate, who looks after us? And that's where this is really born from because at the end of the day, you know what I do is very different to most people around the world, but who does it for me? So I've got to try and devise ways that I can stay healthy, that I can stay well. And if it works for me, trust me, it works for everyone. Selfish benevolence, mate. Yeah, selfish benevolence. Yeah. I mean, hey, I'm the same. Like, I, you know, I, you know, when you've got kids, I want to live to 120, but that's just not going to happen by accident. So there's certain practices. And you know what, AD, we're so lucky in the job that we have, the career, the profession, whatever you want to call it, the calling. We're so lucky with what we do that embedded into what I do, 
it, it is good for the client, but also there's a little bit of stuff for me that helps me manage my energy so I can, A, be really good for my next client or my next workshop or when I get home and want to connect with my wife and kids. It's sort of embedded. I, I love what we do from that perspective. And for me, that those two words, selfish benevolence, just works well because the more energy we have, the more we can help other people to the degree that they need help or empower them, I think is a better word that, that you use, empower them Epoxy. to be able to help themselves. Self-sovereignty across the yeah. board is what we're going for, isn't it, mate? And I, I, I feel the biggest thing that this process has taught me is that we're coaches. Yeah. But the best coach doesn't tell people. The best, the best coach guides, advises, and leads by example. So when it comes to my kids, when they see me using a roller, my kids play sport, they've got a vibration ball, they've got rollers, they've got balls, they've got, they've got everything because they know if dad does it, I know it works. And that's the beautiful thing, right? Because it's not what we say, it's what we do. Yeah. And our clients are the same. If the clients see us doing it, they do it. Great coaches, they lead. You know, there's one, one of the team here, a guy by the name of Ben Lincoln. He, he's one of the podcasts, one of our most successful podcasts today is um, what would a horse say if it walked into a gym? And it's a conversation <laughs> between me and Jim. And, walk into and a gym. Me, <laughs> between me and Ben. And, you know, if an animal walked into a gym and saw someone of those sticks, axis machines, let's say doing a leg extension, then it'd be like, what the bloody hell are these humans doing? Um, and so we sort of break that down. And, and Ben's such a – he's an artist, mate, this guy that is part of our team here. And, and Ben, along the way, you know, personal trainers, along the way, sometimes they don't see their value. And, and I'm lucky to have a really great relationship with Ben and we bounce ideas off each other and he helps me a lot and I hope that I can help him a little bit. Um, but anyway, we were having this conversation about money because I was saying, Ben, what you do is incredible. And you should value that. And, and you'd always have and many trainers. They always have a hard time in saying, well, this is how much I charge. Classic mm. on the gym floor, the, the client will say to the gym, the personal trainer, what do you charge? And let's say I'm choosing rudimentary numbers. I charge 10. And you'll see the trainer won't say it with confidence. Anyway, yeah. throughout the, the process of pushing Ben to, to charge what he should charge because he's so good at what he does, he came yeah. to this realisation one day and he said, when I work with clients, I'm happy to charge, and in Hong Kong, $1,200, um, mm -hmm. 200 and something Aussie dollars is, is sort of at the top of the range, and that's what Ben charges. And, mate, the guy could charge twice that he's so good. Anyway, yeah. he said, though, the reason why I feel so confident now in charging that amount of money is because what I teach, he's a movement coach, what I teach isn't, isn't transient. So, for example, if I do a 12-week program where I do that before and after photo, not saying there's anything wrong with that, but whatever, if, if that's your goal, and that's most important to you at that period of time in your life. And you get a, a photo at the beginning where you're slouchy and not so much muscle, and then you get a photo at the end where you're standing up really tall and the light's better and you've got more muscles. Um, what we can also say on that, that's transient because if you revisit that photo two, three, four, five years later, you're not that same bloke. Whereas what, yeah. what Ben came to this amazing realisation is when you teach movement and you teach principles on how to feel good, they stick. And, that, and that's not transient. If you learn no. to, to be able to load and unload the hip and the foot and just get some movements driven by looking at the Feelsoma website that you feel better, those yeah. things stick. And then yeah. maybe as a result, you know, musculature might ensue as a result, but it's not chasing the musculature. It's chasing something beautiful and meaningful that is a skill, let's say, for a lifetime. And so in Ben's example, now when people ask him what, what he charges, he's like, well, mate, I'm so happy to charge $1,200 and maybe you should put his price up. He's that good. Um, but it was just such a, a beautiful moment. And 
in that regard, I played the role of pushing Ben to say, mate, you're worth this. Why don't you say that with confidence? And he just had to come to that realisation that what we do, and, for example, what you guys do with Soma, yes, you can build big muscles. There's nothing wrong with that. That's great. But yeah. in, in some regards, when you get to a certain period, you're like, well, that's a little bit transient. And maybe my lifestyle doesn't allow me to train four times a week, live off 1,500 calories a day or 1,800 if you're a bloke. You know, <laughs> I mean, maybe my life doesn't allow that. I need something more. Um, and, and what I love about our industry at the moment, you know, David Sinclair, that Aussie bloke out of Harvard, there's this big shift. The light's really shining on longevity, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, believe, wellness and longevity. Yeah, mate. So that's what you must be sitting there going, bloody hell, we've positioned ourselves in a really good space at the moment, Corny. It's as if the universe has said, you know, here we go. Daddy, take it 25 years. 25 years. <laughs> you're an overnight success. AD, in 25 years, it's taken to be an overnight success. Nicholas Copernicus, mate, pushing the envelope. <laughs> hey, mate, I just looked at my watch. You've got to climb it in five minutes. Is that right? Yep, that's mate, correct, mate. Final words, because I've had such a great time talking to you and it's so good to read. Uh, Cotty, it's always, it's just joy. And that, but if the people get nothing more out of this out of this podcast than the energy of respect and love that we have for each other, then this has been one of the best podcasts I've ever, I've ever done because it's not about what we say, it's about how we interact. And I think that's the greatest thing, the, the amount of respect uh, that, that I've had for you over the years and have for you now and, and the love because you're a person who does place an emphasis and an importance on every person that comes into your life and that's a unique position. So I just want to take this opportunity to thank you, mate. So if, we're, if, our, if our industry could do more of that, if our society could do more of that, the world would be a greater place, that's for sure, Phil. Thank you, mate. And, and on you, I would say one of your strengths is that capacity to be able to create relationships. I think in 2009, on, on that first beer I had with you, I think it was within five minutes you dropped that fake eye in my beer. And I was like, what the hell? And then I looked up at you. You've only got your real eye. You've only got one eye. And then I'm looking at your second eye in my beer. I'm like, what the bloody, who's this bloke? And you Must trust any, any barriers that you and I had and you know because we're, we're culturally we're similar from Australia but any barriers that you and I had were just Gone. disintegrated in that moment and <laughs> I, I would say OD that is go back to my original comment and that's where you're the the legend your capacity and your ability to be able to create relationships I, I never forget that time when you guys came to Hong Kong and you called it the Tasmanian push-up so you know sometimes <laughs> culturally culturally he, he, I, I, mate, I, I love Asian, I love the culture that I'm in. Um, but sometimes, maybe comparative to the Australian outgoing nature, a little bit more reserved. Mate, you yeah. smashed a whole room of boundaries when you 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 hard like and then you did this Tasmanian <laughs> push-up where you jumped up in the air, you did a swan dive, and the whole room <laughs> gone. For, for the room, it was the equivalent of you popping your eye in my beer. Everybody's yeah. going, How this no ego, totally open to. To sharing, not saying that I'm better than you. I'm I'm your equal, and I have some concepts that I want to share with you to make you better. And you just you you change the way that I that I work with people. I do for that. I'm forever grateful. Oh, so mate, I thank you, my friend. Folks, and I wish you all the best for feel safe. Hopefully, we'll catch up pretty soon, and uh, I'll keep you in in uh, contact with what Phil Soma is doing. We're just we're oh, actually mate. just about to start our marketing and so forth. So we. This has been up about eight months. We've been going about four years, and and uh, we're just critiquing the whole website again, as you do when you're in business, as you well know. So it's about to get a bit of a bit of a facelift. So it's 
it's all go, mate. There's a bit happening. So, mate, I look forward to catching up and talking with you very, very soon, all right? Thanks, OD. Great to connect with you. And Thanks for your time, to Jeff. the listening audience out there, thank you for hanging out with myself and Nicholas Copernicus, a.k.a. Dino <laughs> Dwyer. I'm going to put all the links to Phil Soma in the episode description. In the world we live in today, if you just type in Uno Dwyer, you, you will find him, and I urge you to do a deep dive on what this guy and Rodney Corn are doing. I might even reach out to Corny see if I can get him on the website as well. Oh, Most mate, he, he would be fantastic. All right, mate. Thanks for, for reconnecting, AD. Have a great day. See you, champion. And thank you guys for hanging out with AD and myself. We'll speak to you again in two weeks. See you guys. See you, mate.